Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go to New York City. No. Uh, yes. Oh, yet again. Well, yet again. And yet again, we are leaving an underage girl with some questionable people. <laughs> it is the very new, underaged. It is the new theme of Gone with the Bushes. Our pick this week is Little Miss Marker. 1934, when a widowed father leaves his daughter as a as collateral for a horse race bet with gangster run gambling operation people, what could go wrong? wrong? Little Miss Marker, it was released June 1st, 1934. Directed by Alexander Hall, who also did Here Comes Mr. Jordan, Forever Darling, and They All Kiss the Bride. Oh, hello. Nerd alert. He was engaged to Lucille Ball very quickly because she left him when she met Desi Arnaz. Good for her. Yeah. Produced by B.P. Schulberg. He also produced the 1929. And very first Best Picture winner, Wings. Ah, we have done. We did. Also discovered Clara Bow, Cary Grant, Ernst Lubitsch, Maurice Chevalier, and Marlena Dietrich. Dang. He's also the father of Bud Schulberg, who also wrote On the Waterfront and A Face in the Crowd. Okay, thank you for letting me know why he was important. Screenplay by William R. Lippman, who did Television Spy, Good Dame, and Hunted Man. Sam Hellman, who did The Three Musketeers, The Horn Blows at Midnight, and My Darling Clementine. And Gladys Lehman, she was one of the founders of the Screen Actors Guild. Wow, a female. And also wrote Two Girls and a Sailor, Ooh, Poor ew. Little Rich Girl, and <laughs> Hired Wife. Okay. Ah. okay. It's based on the 1932 story Little Miss Marker that was in Collier's, and it was written by Damon Runyon. He also wrote the stories that Guys and Dolls is based on. Ah. His stories were humorous and sentimental tales of gamblers, hustlers, actors, and gangsters. We got that in this one. The music is by Ralph Ranger. He did Thanks for the Memories. That was Bob Hope sang it in yes. 1938, the big broadcast. He also did Cabaret Girl, might be what I wrote, and Poppy. Puppy. Puppy. The director of photography is Alfred Gilks. He did Red Hair, Old Ironside, Un American in Paris. We did. And he was the second unit photographer on John Ford's The Searchers. Which we have not done. Yes. Edited by William Shea, who also edited One Hour with You, College Scandal, and The Lady Has Plans. <laughs> oh. The cast is Shirley Temple as Marky. So Shirley Temple was born... April 23rd, 1928. And this movie came out 
June 1st, 1934. So that probably when they were filming this, depending on the turnaround, she was like five or six. Yeah. Like five going on six. I couldn't believe that. What were you doing at five or six? Well, I was starring, I was writing and directing and producing a little short film called The Best Moves. She was. But I was no Shirley Temple, but hence. You were basically Shirley Temple. (laughs) She was, she was the person behind Shirley Temple because she, she did the script writing, sang the theme song, did all of the, wrote the theme song, sang the theme song, did all of the costumes. Yeah. Not well, though. Oh, don't say that. Well, With what you had, notebook paper that was colored. Yes, that's true. I made helmets out of notebook paper. So. Oh, she was also in Bright Eyes, The Little Colonel, and Curly Talk, to name a few. We have Adolf Bay. Or is this just Adolf, Silent E? I, I thought know. it was Adolf, Silent E. All right. Adolf Menju. Menjao? I don't know. He was Sorrowful Jones. He was. He was also a wo- in in A Woman in Paris, Paths of Glory. He was in A Woman in Paris? Alrighty Ooh, then. That's, that's not. She, <laughs> she said not very well. Okay. Yeah, he was in A Star is Born. Oh, the first one? Like the first two, the the ones from the 30s. Yeah. And he was in the front page. Oh, see, before the second front page or third before or fourth. Before his girl Friday. Right. And we have Dorothy Dell. She played Bengals Carson. And she was also only in this movie and two others. Dwarf Angel and Shoot the Works because a week after this film came out, when she was only 19 years old, she died in a car accident. Decapitated? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Decapitation is funny. Yeah, you like (laughs) decapitation (laughs) because of Jane. I mean, cars were like, cars, cars were really unsafe back then. Yeah. Well, and also just scanning what they had in Wikipedia, she had been at a party all night with this guy and they were partying all night. He wanted to take her to meet his mother and he got behind the wheel Mm -hmm. and was doing 50 or 60 on these Hollywood roads and he lost control of the car. They hit. They hit everything. They hit a boulder. They hit a oh, wow. palm tree. She died instantly at the scene. He stayed alive for like six hours. She was only 19. She was 19. And she got replaced, I think it's Shoot the Works, by Carol Lombard. Oh, wow. And that was one of the things that propelled Carol Lombard into stardom. Wow. Before Carol Lombard died tragically. Yes. Didn't she die young in a plane crash? Mm-hmm. Right Selling war bonds. She, yeah, right after she had married Red Butler. Ooh, tough out there. Charles Bickford as Steve Holloway. He was in the 1954 version of A Star is Born, which we did. He was also in The Song of Bernadette and The Farmer's Daughter. 
And finally, we have Willie Best. He was Dizzy Memphis. He was in over 124 films, but he only received credit for 77 of them, which for a black actor of that time was actually a lot. But he was also sometimes or mostly credited as Sleep and Eat. Yeah. So or step and fetch it. Well, no, step and fetch it was somebody else. Oh, was it? But it was that character. It was like yeah. So he was like sleep and eat. But Hal Roach, who did, didn't he do like the Little Rascals and stuff? Said that he was like the most talented person he ever met. Wow. And and Bob Hope said that that he was the best one of the best actors. Or I think he said he was the best actor he ever worked with. There he was, had to do these roles. Right, right. Roll his eyes and act like he was dim-witted. So he was also in first, in Feet First, Dangerous Money, and Up Pops the Devil. There are the particulars. Okay, well, we do start with um, music. We had to get... Um, we had to get a professional's opinion on what the name of the music was. So he decided it was called 1930s swing music um, that is playing through the credits. Then we go to the Horseshoe Cabaret, and there is a business meeting going on uh, about betting on horses. So these are gangsters who bet on horse. Well, they um, gamble, gambling gangsters. And they are take, talking about ways to cheat uh, in a horse race. Um, do, you have hard more, do you have any more to add about that, Aaron? Oh, well, the, the guy comes in, it's Steve, and he basically is laying it down for them. So Steve has extended his money. He doesn't have, he's not very liquid at the moment. Doesn't have a lot of cash on hand. And he's got this horse named Dream Prince. And yes. Dream Prince has won his last two races because Dream Prince, prior to the races, has been given a speedball. And uh, as a result. Part. He yeah. was like, whoo, winning everything. Doping. So they're like, all right. Well, my no my bath was my bath water was running during that. So I... <laughs> <laughs> yes, because the, all the guys are like, all right, well, so just what's the problem? Give him give Dream Prince another speedball, win this race. We'll all bet on him and we'll win the race. Why are we having this meeting? And because Steve says, well, here's the thing. I don't have the cash to bet on dream prince right now right he's got he's yeah and see dream prince can only have because he he brings the vet with him dream prince can only have one more speedball because th like if they give dream prince the speedball he's, he's gonna, gonna win but he's gonna die a couple hours after the race right his heart will explode right so they steve comes up with this idea and says all right, look, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not going to give him the speedball because I can't bet on him. So I wouldn't win. I'm telling you guys. And so all of the gangsters that are in there say, all right, well, look, do us this favor. Then get the rumor started that you've laid down a whole bunch of money. $10,000 right. in 1934. A lot of money. So saying that dream prince is going to win. 
so you can move these lines and everybody's like, oh, I hear Steve's, I hear he's bet, you know, I don't, I'm, and so sure enough, everybody starts betting on Dream Prince, but all of the gangsters know that Dream Prince is going to lose. He's not going to win the race. So they bet the opposite so that they can get money. Right. And so, so when, they're making money off of his loss because everybody's going to bet on him. Oh, yeah. Except the gangsters aren't it's betting the, on the him. Gangsters the gangsters the, are betting the truth. Yeah. Yeah, so they're oh, because basically though the gangsters are the ones that are running the money. So right, all the so right. they're keeping the p- the bookies, yeah. as it were. They don't have to to pay out the winnings. So Steve says, "I'll send him out to lose because I can't afford to kill him today." Today, and oh, then the, other, the yeah. other gangsters are like, "Well, how do we know that this Steve dude isn't going to cheat us if he's cheating everybody else?" Yeah, see, and they yeah, talk like this. Yeah, nah. they yeah, talk they were. Yeah. yeah, Edward G. Robinson. How do you know he's not going to double cross us, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So now this babe saunters in. Her name's Bangles. Her name is Bangles. She will probably be called Singer here if I don't remember to edit it. Yeah, it was hard for us to keep track of names. I thought that was the horse's name for a minute. Yeah. I had no idea what Charger was for the longest time. Charger was yeah. the horse. Um, okay, trying to get money for Dream Prince. Oh, and then people are coming in with markers. A marker is an IOU. A collateral. A collateral. And so this one dude comes in, and he goes, um, here's my little girl. It was Shirley Temple. This was her first starring role i knew that because she didn't have the multiple ringlets she just her hair was pretty much natural but they had put a few ringlets in i mean i think it naturally did ringlets but not what became the shirley temple and she had done other short movies but this because her name was this was sure like whoever presents shirley temple so she had enough clout so this was her first Starring. Starring role. I mean, she was five or six. Five or six. Jeez. And then um, he's saying, I'm going to leave my my daughter here as collateral. I'm going to go get $20 so I can put it on this horse that's going to win, which means I can take care of my daughter now uh, because of the money that's going to come in from this horse. I thought maybe somebody would have pity on him and say, hey, dude, don't don't bet on Dream Prince. Now, these are gangsters. And they, they can't have. They would have no business if they took pity on every schmuck who's put the little ringlets, girl. And then she has to mouth off. Oh, you're afraid of my daddy. Oh, well, you're afraid of something. So he goes, okay, little girl, I'll do that. Well, Shirley Temple is dad's collateral. Dad leaves her and goes to get his $20. Then we talk about Benny the Gouge. And there are two doofus dudes oh yeah they were like um they were one of them was a boxer one of them was a wrestler so though but they would each box and wrestle each other yeah okay so now the race is on the radio and dream prince lost girls oh but when they turn around shirley temple is gone And she comes back in with a man of Chinese descent because evidently there's a Chinese restaurant up above Mm. and she's been in that restaurant all day. She's not stupid. Mm -hmm. She was getting something to eat. 
So that uh, a proprietor brings her down. And then we have a show tune at the cabaret where the the stage is shaped like a guitar. Oh. And we have bangles singing and we have two little boys of color who get to be the turners of that stage. Yeah, they're they, like dressed as bell, little bellhops. Yeah, and they're, they're probably Shirley Temple's age. So Shirley, what were you doing at five or six? Oh, I was just a little bellhop turning the stage for this white woman to sing on. Yeah. I mean, talk about manual labor. I mean, they, they literally have ropes around their waist and they have to walk to turn the stage around. Tough look. Tough look. Well, um, Shirley Temple is fascinated by bangles. And she goes and stands right in front of her on this at the stage. And everybody thinks it's so cute, you know, because they've had a few. Mm-hmm. They're drinking. And um, she was left in the charge of aforementioned Dizzy, Dizzy, uh, who was the custodian at the cabaret. Right. So he was kind of looking after her and he's trying to get her attention. Um, to get her off the stage because he's gonna get in trouble. He doesn't care about and her. And Bangles are singing, saying like, "Get out of here, kid! Get out of get out of here!" And I'm going. Guess she's left in his care. Uh, um, she's then he leaves her with the people from the bedding room, the gangs, aforesaid gangsters. And she says her name is Marthy James, and they go, "No, your name is Little Miss Marker." Mm-hmm. A marker is collateral. Collateral. Okay, then there's a lot of gangster talk and wisecracking. And they say at one point she's a chunky little filly. I know. <laughs> and then they bet on how much she weighs. I mean, they bet on anything. And she has been reading or having read to her. The Knights of the Round Table, and she's totally into King Arthur, Queen Guinevere, and the Knights of the Round Table, as I have been obsessed in my life. And so she's telling each one who they are as far as the Knights of the Round Table. And at one point, somebody says, you guys got to stop passing her around. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Because they were literally past. Because isn't that where they're saying how much does she weigh? And so all the men have to pick her up to see how much to, she weighs. Yeah. 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 Um, and then um, Sorrowful says she's making a lot of fairy tale fairies out of us. Uh, and then the uh, Bangles says, "Where's your mommy, honey? My mommy got awfully tired and went away, and she's never coming back." Well, then everybody's like, "Well, dang! I mean, we got to be kind of nice to her now." Uh, she's on our hands for the night. Well, they take her in and weigh her on a baby scale, I believe. Why do they have a baby scale? Maybe it's a meat scale. Yeah, I think it's a meat scale. They were in a kitchen, yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Baby scale. In the kitchen, because they cook babies. Well, they might. They're gangsters. But it looked a lot like a baby scale, too. She weighed 40 and a half pounds. Just wanted to throw that in there. Then she goes to Sorrowful, who is probably... Really in his 60s, but he's supposed to be in his 40s or something. But people looked older back then, didn't they? 
And she says she can't sleep in her underwear. And that her underwear was a one-piece thing with with a button back so she could unbutton it and do her business. And but anyway, she needed help getting out of that, which was problematic. And uh Sorrowful said if I had any sense, I'd have taken her to the police station. Uh, and then uh, he was putting chairs together to try to make a bed for himself because he was giving her his bed. No, well, I think he was trying to make a bed for her. And then yeah. she came out of the bathroom and was like, ha, I got in your bed. So then oh, he okay. like slept in the chairs himself. Okay. So $20 was what she was put for collateral. And in today's money, Little Miss Marker is worth $388.40. Oh, $388. <laughs> Yeah, for I'm a little mean, girl. Yeah, she's not even. That's you wouldn't like that would be a steal for like a Labrapoodle doodle, right? Or or Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, um, okay. Well, Stephen Bangles had been an item. He had given her some diamond bracelets, but ev- evidently he frequently needs them back. To pawn them, so he gets money. Then when he gets money, he goes and rebuys, gets the anyway. He's, he's not. He like sounds a, like a real catch. He doesn't. He he sounds like somebody you definitely want to take home to mama. Hey Dane, where's that? Where's that lump of ice on your wrist? I'm not liquid. I need some cash. Yeah, let's go down to the pawn shop. At which point, I'll buy it back from you, babe. I'm good for it. Bangles calls him an Indian giver. Ooh. Yeah. Negative reheatable. Well, uh, who is it that says she gets whatever she wants? So she's left with the two doofy. Uh, Oh, Sorrowful, I think, was like, mind her. Mind her. Do whatever she wants. And so she's looking out the window, and she says, I want that big peppermint stick, which isn't a peppermint stick. It is the barber pole in front of a barber shop. Yes. And so they have to go steal the barber pole. Did you know that? Did you know that the giant peppermint stick was the barber pole? No, I wondered what the giant peppermint yeah. stick was going to be. Because then you see the payoff when the, the barber's coming in with his knife and stuff, his, you know, his razor, and they're hustling it away. And they're like, here's your giant. You're like, oh, I get it. Okay, well, the pawning of the bracelets has happened. And then they are reading back in... in at the cabaret club um they are reading that big steve stables is has been suspended because of questionable ethics with the horses so they need somebody who they can say owns dream prince that's not steve because he's been suspended and they're working on this con so they need somebody who can say they own Dream Prince. And guess who they decide that's going to be? Little Miss Marker. Little Miss Marker. At this point, they also read in the paper that a dude was found. <clears throat> he jumped off a bridge. Oh, he jumped off a bridge? I thought so. I thought it was found in a hotel room. But I don't know. Go ahead. It could be. I don't know. Uh, anyway, suicide was involved. He had a, a ticket in his pocket for the 
for the gambling establishment. And so at this point, they realize that's Shirley Temple's dad. Shirley Temple doesn't have uh, That makes a lot of sense. I was wondering where the hell her dad went. Now, this is making me feel so much better because I had to stop. I was like, I mean, he, they just like aren't like we gave up on his dad, on her dad. Yeah. Okay. I, I'd have to stop and say, Aaron, what, what just happened? Because, uh, well, because the dad needed. The dad had to come back with twenty dollars to get his daughter, and and he didn't have the twenty. Yeah, so and he, so he chose to end his life and leave her with gangsters. Because <laughs> what could go wrong? Not my problem. Well, at this point, sorrowful goes. Well, I got to get rid of her. I'm gonna call the police, and I believe it was Bangles who said, "Are you sure you want to call the police right now?" Because we can use her. She can be the owner of mm. Dream Prints. I'm only putting this together after reading a synopsis earlier today. Because when I actually watched it, it made not a lot of sense to me. Well, we, we okay, tried to do cocktails. Yeah, we had didn't vibe. Didn't, so there was that. Okay, well, Big Steve has this so figured out. He's not going to bet. He's not going to place his bet, bets on Dream Prints. Oh. Here in New York City, he's going to go to Chicago because everybody's looking out for him because he's on probation. So he leaves Bengals and he goes to Chicago. Well, Bengals has kind of gotten a soft spot for Little Miss Marker. And what? It's Shirley Temple. You watch this movie, you're like, I get how it. could you not? Okay, well, Big Steve is putting his bet on his horse, and but he also has. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I'm drinking from my new Gone with the Bushes Yeti cup um, that we got for Christmas. <laughs> oh, it keeps so cold. That's so good. Mm, cheers to everyone. Uh, and, no, it's not on our website for sale yet, but it might come up. <laughs> okay. So Sorrowful gave him some money, too. And so Sorrowful's going, you know, half of the money you make on Dream Prince goes to me, right? And Steve is going, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But they're talking about the little girl, and he's saying, uh, Sorrowful says, I couldn't stable her. I mean, comparing her to a horse. Well, she's a marker. I think comparing her to a horse is a bit of a step up. Maybe. I don't know. It depends. Are they going to give her a speedball? We'll see. <laughs> At least now she's a living thing. That's true. At the moment, uh, well, the police come looking for the kid because they have found the dead father and they found the uh, t- ticket stub in his pocket that said co- the cabaret. <laughs> I, no. they, wait, the fact that said the uh, I left my daughter. My five-year-old daughter down at the place. It probably it. did. <laughs> the marker in his pocket. And they go, we don't know who you're talking about. Well, the two young guys we've talked about, the wrestler and the boxer. boxer they, there's a whole comedy bit with them. They but reminded he, me of the um, burglars from Home Alone. Yeah. Oh, good com- Harrison. And one of the guys reminded me of Cheddar from Eight Mile. The boxer. Okay, because that was a long time ago. My memory isn't going back that far. A lot of physical comedy. 
the kid is kid back again. Kid is getting tough. She's she's picked up the lingo of the gangsters and she's using it. Well, then we have Shirley Temple crying because she feels like sorrowful. Her new, you know, guardian doesn't like her. And then she says, I love my daddy. Well, all of them know her daddy's dead or mommy's dead, but she doesn't know her daddy's dead. So then they are all like, oh, my God. Well, then she does the fake cry. Now, as an elementary school teacher, you know the difference between a real cry and a fake cry. And a fake cry really gets on my nerves. And that's when I would say, I cannot understand you when you are crying. You're fake. I didn't say you're fake. Uh, so please take a breath and tell me what's wrong. God, I hate that. This is what you would tell children that you weren't their mother. Because to us, you were like, I will give you something to cry about. Damn straight. <laughs> and the reason they were using the fake cry on me in second grade was because nobody told them that. Oh, and it was on the tip of my tongue every day. Uh, well, the two young guys decide to wrestle on her bed to get her mind off of her worries, you know, her two dead parents. And it works, and everybody leaves except for Shirley Temple and Sorrowful. And so she's bold enough to say, don't you like me? And she cries. And and Sorrowful goes, you cry every time somebody doesn't like you? You got a lot of crying coming. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was that was called um, um, Tough Love. And so she dubs him Sir Sorry. Uh, she's obsessed with King Arthur. So she asks him to read. And so he gets, uh, he does a very clever thing mm-hmm. here. He gets out the sports page, but instead of Somebody prints dream prints. He uses the words King Arthur or mm-hmm. any of the any of the knights of the round table. It's really cute. Um, then uh, she's a, she's supposed to be asleep, but she overhears uh, sorrowful and bangles bangles. Why did I write ginger? Yeah, <laughs> and, and they are arguing. And then she gets up, and so Bengals goes, I'll put her to sleep. And so Bengals goes in, and, and Shirley Temple goes, Ah, oh, lay off me. And then she sings her to sleep. Wait a second, but Bengals pretty much sings her to sleep with a song saying, Hey, look, girl, you are, you've you're, got some tough nights ahead. Yeah, because you're born a woman. This is going to be a hard life for you. Because you are born with a heart in this world. And then she falls asleep. And then she wakes up and it becomes Bengals slept here, basically. Yeah. Instead of Susan slept here, where Bengals slept here. It's the next morning. Shirley Temple comes out and tells Sorrowful, we're hungry. He goes in and sees that the singer, Bengals, slept at his apartment. Bengals was Steve's girl. There's going to be an issue, and it has been 38 minutes, and I stopped. Nice. Okay. Nice and nicely done. So we are, Any anybody want to add anything to the recap? No. 
It sounds great to me. We are two people of color, and there, uh, Erin had to do a um, a notch. She had to do a little spreadsheet. I had to to keep track. So, let's see. I had Dizzy. He was one. He was a black man. There was a black man in a suit in the background. We had the Chinese gentleman from the restaurant. There we have the two young black boys who are turning the stage. We had the black maid, Sarah. Mm-hmm. And then at the stable, we had three black men. They didn't have speaking parts. So I counted that up to be a total of nine. But all in sub- sub- subservient roles, except when we'll get to it, the maid Sarah does one of my favorite moves. Oh, she does. In a movie. She does. Yeah, she was good. Mm-hmm. And she was uncredited in this movie. Yes. But she did, I think, like, set, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. She did ten, ten films. Wow. Did you get From her From 1933. Yes, her name is Mildred Gover. She was an actress. She was born in 1905 in Omaha, Nebraska, wow. and she died September 11th, 1947 in Los Angeles. She was active in film from 1931 to 1946. Her first film was Alimony Madness in 1933. And then she did, I mean, oh, well, no, she was, must have been in a lot more because this is just selected filmography on her Wikipedia page. Yeah, and a lot she probably wasn't credited. She was like, that's why it was so interesting for Willie Best to actually have credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially since, oh, also especially since like he got credits, and then like she didn't mm-hmm. in this film, and I felt like she played just as much of a role, right? Like, she had just as big of a role as he did. He might have had more filmography coming into it. Yeah, because well, yeah, it looked like she was just starting to get after, she she just started in nineteen thirty three. Yeah. Oh yeah, she did fifty three films though. Well done. Yeah, she has a great move. We'll get to it. It's in my reheat. Yeah, it is. Okay. Nerd alert. Oh, nerd alert. Okay. So nineteen thirty four, we are in the midst of the Great Depression. Can I yes. interrupt you real quick? You yes. may. Because I just not, it's not funny, but I just went back to her IMDb and I was just looking through and just the uh, roles that she played. I'll just not naming the movies. Here are what some of them are called. Black woman, maid, Nancy, Jenny, Mammy, Pat's maid. Mary's maid, Mary Lou's maid, Eliza's maid, Colonel Ram's maid, maid at brothel, maid. She literally played a maid in like 50 movies. Yeah. Yeah. Because she wouldn't have a career if she didn't. Right. So it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's she uh, was great. She did have some a good look at She that. had great personnel. Mm-hmm. What well, was like in the movie last week, Susan Slept Here, how um, that woman was like you know went to Columbia right, and had and right. was mm-hmm. had all these bona fides to be uh, probably the most overqualified actress, exactly. best qualified actress in the whole cast. And she had more education than anybody else. Yeah, on probably their like set. more talent, and she'd be doing Shakespeare. But 
Oh, nerd alerts? Nerd. Yes, nerd alerts. Sorry. No, that was good. That was yes. good. So 1934, in the midst of the Great Depression, 1934, the first Flash Gordon comic strip was published. Oh. John Dellinger escaped from jail with a wooden gun. Oh, my gosh. Did he whittle it in woodshop? Probably. Bonnie mm-hmm. and Clyde were killed by the police wow. in Louisiana, Ta- 1934. Mm. In Louisiana? Yeah. Okay. And in July, so that was after this movie came out, the motion picture production code started to be strictly enforced. Ah, uh, this was so pre production. Yeah, pre code. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Those are my nerd alerts. Okay. Christine, any nerds? Nope. So we are to... Oh, wait. I guess I have... No, I don't. Sorry. <laughs> Stop, Paul. Goodbye. Okay, you're going to put it in tasties? Yeah. Okay. Reheatables. I'm going to let you two go first, and I will say anything that you don't have. Would you like to go first? No. Okay. Okay, my bad reheatable. Uh, giving horses speed balls to win... <laughs> Oh, I don't even that's have so that. That's terrible, yeah. yeah. But then that's... It's still happening I really today. liked that show on HBO. It was only on for one season. It was called Lucky, and it was about the horses. But they had to, they had to stop making it because, like, horses died. So yeah. many horses died. And then there's been a rash of it lately. I know, like, at Santa Anita and stuff of, of horses dying. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out... Why and if it's the like what are what's going on so and that whole industry with like what they do to the horses yeah and- I will tell you I have a friend who is a true horse woman she she owns a horse <laughs> Mrs Worthley a horse woman I know but we in our mind we have pictures like this, I'm picturing half uh, woman, woman half horse. horse no <laughs> well if she could be she would be but. She always had problems with racehorses because their legs are so tiny to hold up those huge, their ankles especially, Mm -hmm. to hold up those huge bodies. I mean, they are bred that way to, for speed, but it's not, it's not a healthy horse just because the ankles aren't going to be able to support all that weight. That, let alone the doping yeah, that continues the to happen, they're it's just like track stars. Except track stars are human and can tell you, uh, uh, hey, my arm feels like it's going to fall exactly, off. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But, the, yeah, the doping is keeping ahead of the tests, so... Uh, they're gorgeous, but yeah. And there's so much fragile. money involved. Oh, so there's my so much God. because they're, they're like they're semen from the, yes. the good horses and all of that, like the breeding prices. Yes. It's all. And anytime you throw that into it, money, know, money, money. So there you go. Um, The fact that she was worth $20, which we said was just shy of $400. Uh, you know. Call somebody an Indian giver. I didn't yeah. look up that term. I always, always thought it was like... Oh, I did. Oh, nice. Yeah, I did some research into that term. Um, And it's not necessarily like... No, it is a bad... We use it in a bad way. Uh, God. Um, 
so obviously it was very problematic when, you know, white people came into Native Americans' land, and then they would, there was some, there are like traditional Indian traditions, I believe, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, that I read, where you do, like, there is some part of giving, it's not all giving, where you give a gift, and you're expected to get something in return of equal value, and, and, like, other traditions, like, that's not, no, like, it's, like, I'm trading you for money, but in some, like, there are some traditions where you're trading for goods, you know, it's, like, like a barter system, like, yeah, like a barter system. So, okay, you're not going to give me anything back. Like, I'm going to take it back. Um, but also, it also just ended up being very problematic the way that we have used the term. Um, Since and, we were the Indian givers. Yeah, that's I the mean, thing that I always thought. Yeah. Like, shouldn't it be like the white men? Like, the, you know, they were like, hey, here you go. You can have this land. Psych, it's ours now. Right, right. Right. Here are these blankets for, yeah. Here, why don't you take these blankets? They have smallpox on them. Yeah. Right. Well, and like, I was reading an article from NPR, and they were saying what white settlers thought was rudeness and a lack of generosity was most likely rooted in a a series of cultural misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, you came in and the concept we have. Yeah, well, the concept of an Indian gift traces its roots back to at least the 1700s, um, and it was defined as a present for which an equivalent return is expected. Mm. Um, but obviously, like Lewis and Clark. Obviously, we're very problematic, um, and they always suspected Indians of stealing their belongings or planning to do so. Um, in one instance, a group of Indians offered Lewis and Clark some roots, which the explorers rejected because they felt that the Indians' expectation for those presents of a few roots is three or four times their worth. Um, turning down the gift, however, insulted their hosts and led Lewis and Clark to label the Indians forward and impertinent and thievish. Cause I guess then they were like, well, no, I'm not giving you this then. Like if you don't. Uppity, so, right? Uh-huh. Uppity yeah. Indians, right? Yeah. Oh, you don't know our civilized culture and our ways. I'm not going to learn what it is that you do so that I can find some sort of common right. knowledge. And, exactly. No, obviously. You're These are cancer idiots, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I was, it was interesting to me because like as I was a kid, that was, you said that all the time, which is terrible. But yeah. now they were saying that people these days, like millennials today, may have not known what it was and may have heard it for the first time during the Kim Kardashian, Chris Humphreys divorce. Um, when Chris Jenner told Good Morning America that she hates an Indian giver, it's a gift, you should keep your gift, while referring to her wow. soon to be son in law request that the $2 million engagement ring he presented to Kim Kardashian should be returned. Wow. wow. Uh, because $2 million but, is a drop in the bucket to her. But for Chris Humphreys, that was a large, a large investment. Oof. Yeah. Well, but then also important to note that, like, while that is part of giving, it was, but like, to point out that um, it's, 
it's like stereotypes Indians is deceitful and ungenerous, right. Right. which if you've ever been to a native community is about the farthest thing from the truth. Exactly. And then it says ever heard of giveaways or pot watches, which I did not get to look into those, but something to research. My aunt and uncle lived in New Mexico and were very, um, Oh, what side of the family? Uh, Uncle Mike, pause side. So they went there because her arthritis was so bad. She needed a dry climate. But um, so I was in their house and I said, oh, wow, I really like that painting. It was just a small little painting. I don't even remember. And she said, in the Indian culture, if you come in and you compliment something, the owner gives it to you. And I said, no, I don't, I don't expect you to give it to me. I was just saying, I like it. And Mm -hmm. she said, but so that is the kind of giving culture that they had. You, you like this. It is my gift to you because you like something I had. I'm happy to give it to you. And because they were all a community because they all had to survive. That was the same together with the Buffalo. Like you kill the Buffalo. Can you imagine that now with how how many fake compliments we give each other oh all the time. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Teeny, I love that Cameron poster. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's yours. It's in the mail. Okay. Okay. You're ne- you were on negatives, Aaron. Um. Oh, and then my final negative reheatable. I mean, yeah. Um. A live horse in the restaurant. That is a health code violation, people. Well, you should true. not have live animals inside a restaurant, that's especially true. like a horse. Okay. I was worried about the horse slipping on the slippery floors. Yeah. It was just a lot of problems there. Okay, Christine, your negative reheatables. Well, I agree with the horse racing, but I just said animal racing in general. Because yes. Mm-hmm. Greyhounds, good point, are also bad. Uh, just using animals for things like cockfights. I mean, and I don't cockfights. The horses pulling people in Central Park. I think they treat them yes. terribly. Uh, dog fighting. Oh yeah, that means we can never ride a buggy in Central Park. Ooh. No. I would judge you for it. I I did um, it in Dublin, but but it okay. it's different. It's in Ireland. It was Ireland. <laughs> it's okay. When we were in um, New Orleans, we did it with a person. I'm not against you riding one with a person driving. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll only do it if it's a white man pulling me. There you go. There you go. We had a white man pulling us. I'm pretty oh. sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm okay with it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's called. Awakening people, yeah, think about it. And they're choosing to do that, that's their hustle, exactly. Um, leaving children with strange men, yeah, it's a whole bunch of strange men, second week in a row. And at least last week it was just one man, this week it was a whole gang of gangsters, but they're gangsters with hearts of gold. There was a part, I think, that this happened. Where, what's her name? Badger? Bangle? Bangles? Banglet. <laughs> Badger Banglet. Oh, the visual. Bangles. She was like 
And they were like talking about when the dad dropped her off, his clothes were falling off of him. And yeah. He was like, she immediately was like, oh my God, like she felt so bad for her because she didn't have money. But like judging people for, you know, thinking people mm-hmm. can't take care of their kids because they don't have money and that she couldn't, you know, live a fine right. life. Mm-hmm. She seemed pretty freaking happy to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She wasn't as messed up as she was after spending a couple days with the gangsters. Right. Yeah, she still had her, she had her manners when she got dropped off. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was all part uh, of a con, honestly. I thought that he, that he was, you know, they were doing this long con and he had told her, moon. yeah, it was like a paper moon type situation, but apparently not. Yeah. And then also giving her everything, like treating yes. her like a princess. Oh my God, treating kids like a princess. I hate that. I hate daddy-daughter dances. I hate treating kids like they're princesses. I hate all that shit. I think it's so terrible. Yes. Yes. It's not real. You shouldn't date your dad. And Ew. That's I don't know why that brought came into they're... it for me, but I just think, you know, just treat them like people. Right. They're not yeah. princess. She's not a princess. Like, like, uh... Not surf, everybody's a winner. Surf going, <laughs> you cry every time at somebody's so you think somebody doesn't like you? You got a lot of crying to do in these in these years, babe. Okay. But then they changed, and we're like, oh, we gotta make sure she thinks all of yeah. us are the because then king's she was round she table was or whatever. And, yeah. Oh and my look god. What happened? Yeah. I would like to see her character grown up. Like, does she become something of like a badass, like a badass woman? Well, like I saw a picture of actual Shirley Temple grown up, and I was shocked. She became an ambassador, though. I mean, she lived. She oh, yeah, she seemed like a great person. Yeah, she didn't go down that child star drain. No, but a lot of it happened to be by chance because I don't. I'm not gonna say who it was, but somebody showed her her his private parts and she just giggled she was just like giggling and he got super mad and so that like put the kibosh on that contract and so she didn't get get that contract oh wow Um, go down that rabbit hole erin i will do my negative nerd alert teeny do you have more no okay mine were also leaving a little girl um the look of it's Aaron's favorite part of the movie, but the maid when she had her feet up, it was it was the stereotype of if you're not watching them, they're not gonna do their job. Oh yeah, it can be taken that way. Yeah. I took it as like these dumb white people, like I'm I've yeah, done everything. I, yeah. I'm a, I am reclaiming my time. I took it as her reclaiming her time. Who said I used to be a sissy? She did. She did? Shirley uh, Temple. Shirley Temple said it. Okay, the fact that the one black actor in the movie, when they were recreating the round table, had to be the court jester. And Steve sending his maid to spy on what was happening with the little girl yeah. and that dude. That was That was a negative. Okay, pause it. Okay, wait, we're oh. going down the rabbit hole of 
like just little like Shirley Temple thing. So her mother was Gertrude and she was her agent and kind of looked out for her. And there was a, and around this time, she realized that Shirley Temple and herself, because she was getting the mother was getting like twenty five dollars a week to be her whatever uh, like hairstylist and you know manager person i think shirley was getting about a hundred dollars a month and then she noticed that she that her image shirley temple's image was being used mm-hmm. to for products and they weren't getting a piece of mm-hmm. that and so she you know her mom was very much of the like very smart Excellent. and very business oriented and so like you know went with lawyers and stuff um at one point in she sued they sued some they sued critic british critic graham green for libel and won um and in the settlement it remained in trust in an english bank until she turned 21 and then when she turned 21 it was donated to a charity and used to build a youth center in england see good she she came from good stuff yeah which it's just really weird that it it happens like that um I, mean, I can't see who it was that she that she laughed at. It was something with like uh, it because she was gonna be with Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. Oh wow! She signed, so she left 20th Century Fox and then she signed for MGM for her comeback. This is like 1941 through 1950. Um. Oh. However, upon meeting with Arthur Freed for a preliminary interview, the MGM producer, so he was the producer, he was probably the producer that messed up Judy Garland, gave her all those, like, pills and drugs and stuff, messed up, like, Mickey Rooney for the Andy Hardy series. However, upon meeting with Arthur Freed for a preliminary interview, the MGM producer exposed his genitals genitals to her. When this elicited nervous giggles in response, Freed threw her out and ended their contract before any films were produced. How does a dude think that is in any way? But she just, Why would you she, ever do that? Exactly. I mean, but just, what are you expecting? And really? and he and she laughed, and you wonder because she was in you know a movie like this where she's around tough guys and, and you know pre-code and stuff coming up right and you know she does the nervous laughter and it's Shirley Temple laughing at your genitals so it's like the little meme you send of her <laughs> like giggling and then he's just completely embarrassed and is like get out of here and that ends up probably saving her, her life, life you know exactly if you think about it just wow. because her just nervous laughing at it was just her reaction was to just giggle yeah Cause she went on to do like some movies, but, and then like, she had like a television career and then she became active in the California Republican party mm-hmm. and went on to be like an ambassador. She also in 1972 at the age of 44 was diagnosed with breast cancer and in, and she had a radical mastectomy yeah. performed. And at the uh-huh. and before that, like nobody talked about that. Exactly. She was one of the first people who was like, "Yeah, I had breast cancer. This is what I had happen to and me." And after that, Betty Ford felt comfortable to talk about it. But she was probably the first one. Yeah, that that's ever, what they say. Yeah, yeah. She became an ambassador, and she just, yeah, grew up to be. 
a good woman. Thank you. At least somebody came out of Hollywood okay. Yeah. I mean, but she did smoke, and that's what led to her death. Um, She was, like, a lifelong smoker, but mm. she always hid it from the... Because she was like, I don't want my fans... Like, mm-hmm. this is a bad habit. I don't want them to know about it. Okay, positive reheatables, because that was definitely negative. I have... The gangster accent in the 30s. Nah, yeah, yeah. come on. That's just fun. I have as a good reheatable because it still happens fixing races. There's an excellent podcast called Whistleblower about NBA refs fixing games in the 2000s. Oh. Why do I act like I'm surprised? Exactly. And how people knew about it and made it very hush-hush and stuff because I knew about this one ref and they let the one ref out to dry. But then you're kind of reading it, you know, and going between the lines and with interviews and you're like, oh, interesting. Mm. Very interesting. I wonder how far, because that could go even down to high school refs. I mean, think about it. Well, especially now with gambling being yeah. as big as it is and, and everywhere. They're saying how the NBA, like with refs, because you know how it gets down to the end of the games and the end of the right. game takes 30 minutes. Right. It's all about like, oh, his foot was on the line or like because every play could kind of be a foul and you can make calls that puts it. And it's not like who won the game. It's about the lines. It's about covering the spread and stuff. Because the refs were always against Hayfield. I know. Mom. I had to let them know that. <laughs> Are you blind? Do you need my glasses? What a great segue to my next good reheat. Okay. When the bit where the guy is going up to put a dollar on Dream Prince for show, and he has a sign that says, I'm blind, please help me. And so he gives the dollar. He gets his ticket back and looks at it and says, I said a dollar on show. He's supposed to be blind, though, but he's not. He's in a racket, too. Yeah. Because they were racketing against him. Yes. I like at one point when the boxers are supposed to be keeping her busy and, you know, sorrowful Mm -hmm. and is, you know, the adults are talking. At one point, she just, Shirley Temple sticks her head in and just on cue says, I'm having fun. (laughs) And just goes back. Um, I don't know how you all felt about the fashion. At one point, Bengals. Ginger Bangles, Bangly, was wearing what I wondered if it was a skunk pelt. Because it was black, vertical, black and white, and very, it had those like weird feathers that are really light. Oh, wait. Oh, I like the flashers. Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, those are the big ones that are like just flow in the wind and stuff. Yeah, they're, they're very, they look like they just will get in your mm-hmm. eyes and tickle uh, your nose. Yeah, yeah. You need an allergy pill. Yes. Um, I thought they, it was nice how there was no music in the crucial transfusion See, scene. I didn't even notice, and Aaron brought that to my attention. I was like, there's no music here. It's very tense. And then my final good reheatable is just little Shirley Temple. I was like, yeah, yeah no wonder she was, she was a, a thing. She, The camera loved her. Loved her. Yeah. It's like that thing with uh, we did Home Alone and Macaulay Culkin. Some yeah. kids just got it. Yeah. Yeah. The camera uh, can read their their uh, innocence and their not so innocence. Okay. My positive reheatables. 
I also had Gangster Voices. Mm-hmm. Hey. Um, Shirley Temple singing. That's what made me fall in love with her uh, many years ago. And I just, she's so cute. She's so mm-hmm. cute. Um, and then I also had telegrams, the original text messaging. Y- yes. yes. And to- I thought it was so nice how they were like handing it on a little tray. Yeah, telegrams always came on a nice little tray, unless it was one telling you that your husband was killed in Vietnam, and then not so nice. Then it wasn't on a tray? Hmm. Okay, my positive reheatables. Okay. Was was that it? Mm Mm-hmm. So, if you know about King Arthur, you know he had a round table. Well, this one, their round table was a horseshoe-shaped table because they were betting on horses. I thought it was good. Uh, it also, I didn't notice that. That's good. It, it also made sense film-wise for 1934. I don't know if they had the technology to do the cross-shooting of a round table. Ah, uh, I just thought it was perfect. Um, I liked uh, Aaron's favorite part. So I'm going to save that because it might be her MVP. Oh, it is my MVP. Okay. So when Bangles is teaching Shirley Temple manners after she went into full gangster mode, then she say, no, you need to see, say yes, please. And thank you. I like that because a lot of kids don't have any freaking man manners in this day and time. Thank you. Leaving note on screen. Oh, thank you to whoever put the note that we had to read on the screen. Oh they my left, God. That was one of mine too. They Let's left it on there long, long enough for slow readers to read it because so, so frequently when you have something you have to read, they flip it and slow readers don't process that fast. So I thank you for the note that we had to read. It was on there long enough for even me to read and process it. I think that's probably also a leftover of the silent pictures. Probably. How they always left it on longer. Longer. Exactly. Okay. I did think that Steve's suitcases were mighty fine. Those leather suitcases that opened up so that you had full access and then you closed them up like a doctor's bag. I, I liked the suitcases. Now, I'm also going with the whole King Arthur Camelot thing because I I am in love with that. And King Arthur flour is mighty fine to bake with. (laughs) It extends to to flour. No, I did not know you knew that had that much love for King Arthur. I loved King Arthur and Guinevere and Camelot and all of Camelot. Yeah, you'll have to do that with Vanessa Redgrave. Yeah. There's so much in that. And I took my mother to Wolf Trap to see Richard Harris be King Arthur on stage at Wolf Trap. Did she like Richard Harris? She, I did. <laughs> I was in love with Richard Harris. And I got to see him being, be King Arthur on stage in a live performance when he was older than dirt. He was way <laughs> older than he should have been. But it was still really cool. Wow. Wolf trap. Good yeah. I had to take my mother because your poppy would, would not go to a musical with me. Yeah, I'm surprised that my grandma went. Oh, she 
Well, I was going to say she loved musicals, but I don't know. I wanted to go and I made her go. <laughs> and because of her, I could park in the handicap parking. It was all, it was a good, good situation. A win-win. We, oh, you're positive, Rahita. I did my positives. We are quotables. I got lots of quotables. <laughs> That's funny because I'll go first because I only have one. God. There were a lot, but, you know, in the bathtub. Uh, my one quotable, now, when I think about quotables for the year, this is up there. Oh, oh right. And Shirley Temple, as a six-year-old, saying, bad girls like me can't pray. I got that one. <laughs> I got that one, too, Teeny. Bad girls like me can't That seems like a great, like, tattoo inspiration. Oh, Just, true. like, motto, I mean, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and who expects that to come out of Shirley Temple? That's true. Uh, I have, I'm crocked now, but I was sober yesterday. That's, well, that was not you. <laughs> that was not me yesterday. <laughs> no, I couldn't say that for the past few days. I can't, I can't say that. You could say that, um, you could always say that about February. <laughs> February before February. quarantine started, and then this whole shitstorm. No, I have to be nowhere. After the shitstorm, I have not been sober. You're welcome. I have. I used to be a sissy. I have that too. I, not oh, as yeah. not as a great one, but as in context, it's it's good. It's a great line in the film. And then when Sorrowful says, "Now she's just a mug like us." Mug in our family means something different. Which I didn't know until I was in college. I didn't know that mug was motherfucker. Yeah. Well, see, because no, in our no, because Manzel's always on his good behavior. And so when he would start to slip when the kids were little, he would go mug instead of mother. And I did not curse when the children were little. No, I had I no not. idea. It wasn't until I came home for my first break of college. That's right. She went to college and, and I, I went, came home. Here it comes. And I oh. was I was just like, who are you? Oh my gosh. I got in trouble one time. I was a little kid, a little bit earlier, a little bit older than Shirley Temple. Breakfast was, sir. Everybody was at the table. I came in and I sat down. I was like, "How the hell is everyone?" And I got in so much trouble. I don't remember that. (laughs) Really? I thought I was being funny. I never used the word "hell" a lot. Yeah, her, yours were. uh, God damn it. God damn it. Yeah. That was my one time when I was like two. Do you talk when you're two? I don't know. When I was talking first. I my first cursor is I said I don't know what happened but I just said damn it damn it damn it. <laughs> I remember I took my mother to uh, Annapolis and Adam uh, you you were in school so Adam was in his car seat in the back seat and I got lost coming home from Annapolis. Adam wakes up in his car seat he looks around and he goes where the hell are we. <laughs> And I, I didn't usually use hell. I was, I went, 
I don't, I never, I didn't say I don't fucking know, but that would have been a perfect retort <laughs> yeah. at that time. But you never said, like, the F-bomb was, oh my gosh. I no never said, said the said F-bomb. That. No. My entire 18 years, no one it's said oh, yeah. that. I don't, yeah, no, my parents never said that either. And then I come home and this one over here is MF this. MF that. Hey, everything I got is you through. I got you through high school, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, that's what she says. And then I'm like, but my dad doesn't cuss. And then she was like, what the hell do you think mug means? That's right. I don't think I said what the hell because I didn't use how. Oh, yeah. But you said the other. What the, do what you, the fuck do you think mug means? <laughs> little but and Adam was in high school, so I knew he was already cursing. So it was all good. But yeah, I kept it good for 18 years for you, 14 for your brother. I expect an award. I was so happy because I was so good at cursing. And I was like, I didn't know where it came from. And then it all made sense. I was like, oh, we've been living a lie all this time. <laughs> good stuff. Um, hooey, they ain't no knights. Well, the dolls got to live because I got good blood. I don't know why I wrote that down. <laughs> I have. That's my fine. Yeah, he was very oh, excited about Steve it, the had blood. good blood. Yeah. Okay. Those were my quotables, as well as some I did in the reheat. Uh, oh, no, the setting the table. All right. So mine, at the very beginning, when Bengals sees Sorrowful, Bengal says, hi, tight, tight wad. And Sorrowful says, hi, gold digger. And you just know those two are going to end up in the end in, together. Yeah. Yeah, there was so much sexual tension between those two. And when Steve says, I'm not in this racket for my health. Yeah. He's like, I'm not in this racket for my health. Yeah. Uh, somebody says, I've always been generous in a quiet way. I don't remember who said I don't that. know either. Uh, we said I used to be a sissy, and then yes, I've got good blood because I called it. Remember, Ma? I'm like, oh, because nobody was a donor. Yeah, we did like, call Steve's that. Steve's gonna be the Steve's donor. Steve's gonna be the donor. Is it gonna come out that Steve is her real father? That's what I thought in this age of DNA. I did no, too. We couldn't prove <laughs> that, too. so. And then my favorite was when she comes out at some point and she's little Shirley Temple and she's strutting. He's like, what are you doing? She's like, looking for some eats. And I was like, I like that. I'm looking for some eats. Yeah, I mean, Shirley Temple doing gangster talk yeah. at six. Yeah, that was good. That's what, that's what I do in the kitchen. What are you doing? I'm looking for some eats. <laughs> Christine. Quotables? You've already done yours? She did hers. Oh, I did one. my one. I'm so sorry I have. Okay, LVP. Um, this is a little controversial in this family. Oh. But my LVP Thank is you. gambling. What? Wait, caveat. Oh, God. Don't have the money to gamble with. Um, or gambling addiction. Okay. Like okay, yeah, gambling yeah, yeah. is fun if you like set a limit and you just. I remember the time when we went to Puerto Rico for Grandmommy's ninetieth birthday. There was a casino. Adam had a hundred dollar bill. He went and put it on the roulette table, and I thought I was going <laughs> to die. And didn't he win? He did. He and he didn't use the whole one hundred dollars. 
dollars. I don't think maybe he did, but he told me he didn't because he knows how to bring me down. But yeah, and he won. She was like, he's very responsible. Yeah, he's a very responsible gambler. Oh, thank you, Christine. That's all I needed to know. (sighs) So far, so far. (laughs) (sighs) He takes a lot more risks than I do, but. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. That's in his DNA. But somehow it, it pays him back. Yeah. yeah. I can't get away with that. No, I can't either. <laughs> no, you, you're the least risky gambler I've ever seen. I've ever met. Yeah. I'm the least risky gambler ever. And then there's me, who's less yeah. than she. So come to Vegas for a week and be like, I've got a $20 gambling budget. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. That's my girl. $20. Because I know I'm going to gamble more. But you're like, all right, it's $20. But then I know in my head, like, I have a little bit more leeway. But I don't like throwing money away. I don't either. I remember when I was a little girl. See? And this is why. Because of these stories, Christy. I would go. (laughs) Every 4th of July, there would be a carnival at my elementary school. Now, a carnival in the 50s? In Ohio. In Ohio. I mean, they would bring the rides, and you know they hadn't serviced those rides. And and then there was always the, the fish in the bowl, and you had to throw the ping pong ball. And if it landed in a bowl, you got that fit. Yeah. But I would see people, I mean, down and out people, they're gambling on whatever they could gamble on. Just gambling away their their last nickels and pennies and it, it, it back in the fifties I remember thinking oh that's so uncomfortable so um yeah yeah but <laughs> yeah but then we will play the numbers with our my grandma I I do enjoy playing the numbers I haven't in a while but so. My LVP was the boys pulling the stage around. <gasps> well done. That is a, because that, that is, well done. that is, that could be in the running for a powerful cast moment. Oh, put that down. Cause we don't have of no- the year. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I felt like that was a little, not to rank things, but I felt like that was a little worse than just like the typecast roles. Agreed. Yeah. Cause it's like you're, their whole function was performing manual labor. And it was, they were little boys and they with were like harnesses on ropes around. Yes. Them. Yes. We both looked at each other and we're like, ooh. Okay. I know. I was trying to, I got out of the bathtub and Adam was like, oh, how was the movie? And I was like, oh, it's good. There's, uh, you know, it was 1934. So the roles, I was like, yeah, that these two uh, black boys had to. Pull the stage around in a circle. The stage, the stage that has a a uh, what kind of piano? Is it a grand piano? Like a baby grand. grand. A baby yeah, grand. baby grand. A singer. Were the were the was the orchestra on that? No, it was just stage? like wasn't it was like a little singer and her. Like a, yeah, yeah like a little one or two. Yeah. Yeah, that was tough. I thought that they were gonna like. Do a little soft shoe, and then I was like, "Would that be better or worse at this point?" Yeah, really. Not only do I do manual labor, but I also entertain you and sing and dance and smile while doing it. I don't think they were smiling, so that's a good thing. 
Maybe it, out. It was all it was all negative. There's it, no good in it. It was. All right. I got I got an honorable mention. Okay. All those losers with the wrong blood type. All those gangsters are like, you don't have it. You don't have I it. I wonder what the correct blood type was. We decided it was AB negative. AB negative because it would be really obscure. Yes. But the real LVP of this, I feel, is Marky's father. Yeah, he dares to go off himself and leave his daughter just in well, he limbo. he put his daughter up for yeah, a marker. True. Knowing, like you said, true. didn't have any means to back up the bed he's placing. He has to leave his own flesh and blood there. And then doesn't have it. And he's just like, ah, bye bye. I have no regrets. Yeah. So, okay, you win. That was my LVP. MVPs, I said young Shirley Temple. Yeah. I mean, the camera loved her. She was just adorbs. Without being, without being annoying. She just seemed real. Because Kevin in Home Alone was adorbs, but you you would say, I don't want him in my classroom. Yeah, you would want Shirley Temple in your classroom? I could do Shirley Temple. Absolutely. I've had Shirley Temple in my classroom. Fair enough. I also said Shirley Temple. Just in general. I think she's so cute. Wavelength. It's just going Yeah, and I don't like kids. You don't like kids. That's true. I would let Shirley Temple live in my house. (gasps) You could have a Shirley Temple of your own. Imagine those curls. I mean, that's the thing. It's a gamble. You don't like gambling. Look at my hair. It is a a gamble. Uh, Yeah, look at Adam's hair. Yeah. Uh, Adam is a lucky gambler. Yeah. Okay, well, there's that. So, I'm leaving that there. I'm not. So, if there's any Shirley Temples up for adoption (laughs) that you can hold on to, that I can hold on to from the ages of three and seven. I think they have a Shirley Temple rescue for Shirley Temple. <laughs> oh, a Shirley Temple rescue. Mm-hmm. It's online. Mm-hmm. I think they're based out of California. But oh, they, wow. they post often. So okay. <laughs> that would be an LVP. <laughs> well, my MVP is Sarah when she had her foot up and she had a cocktail drink. And I I even forget what she was told. That she the was told black me, maid of sorry, Steve's of Steve Steve's, Steve's black maid. Yeah, and so she had to to relay some sort of message, and she had her legs up in her cocktail, and she hung up the phone, and then she w- made like she was gonna put the drink down, and then swooped it back to her. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> It was sort of like a toast. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Tell me what I need to do. Yeah, like you, you can. All right, I'm yeah. gonna do what I want to do. Yeah, it was I'll, great. I'll get that done, but not at this moment. Mm. She was, as Auntie Maxine says, reclaiming her time. There you go. There you go. Okay, really, um, bad reheatable. I did not do a recasting. I did. Wow. So we just have this one, right? We only have your recasting. All right. So I went um, a hodgepodge of all time. I just did three. You'd have to do all time. 
So for Marky, the Shirley Temple character, I went with young Natalie Wood. Oh, she could pull that off. Yeah, Miracle on 34th Street, Natalie Wood. I was thinking if I did one, I would go to young um, The Cosby Show. Raven Simone? Yeah, No. Young Rudy? Rudy. Young Rudy. Pullman some, something? Pullman? Keisha, Keisha Pullman. Keisha Knight Pullman? Yeah, because she could totally pull it off. Yes. For my bangles, well, I'll go for my sorrowful because okay. this is what I wrote down in my notes as I watched it. And I okay. thought it would be hilarious. I don't know if Teeny's going to know who this is. You're not going to know based oh, yeah. on the actor name. But when I say who he is, you'll know. Paul Anderson. He was Arthur in Peaky Blinders. Okay. Yeah, I remember that old dude. He used to be in my soap opera, and he was a really nasty guy in my soap opera. I, I just imagine Arthur from Peaky Blinders as sorrowful. And who was your who was your um girl? My bangles? Well, it was all time and you know, because she ended up basically taking this woman's place when she died a week Carol later. Carol Lombard. Carol Lombard. Okay. So that was my recasting. I'm assuming Christine did not do one. As I did I, not. As I did not. So we are to Tasty Nuggets. Now, my Tasty Nugget is that that, that there have been four versions remakes. Wow. Okay. So in the 80s, there was a remake with Walter Matthau and Julie Andrews. What? That sounds terrible. And some of the gangsters were Bob Newhart and Tony Curtis. I can totally see Tony Curtis. How is this not more like, I mean... It's weird because you have Walter Matthau, who I really like, Julie Andrews, who I really like, Bob Newhart's funny, and Tony Curtis, and yet I'm kind of with Teeny when it's like a remake. I exactly. Feel. Because who is the kid? The kid was Sarah Stimson. Ah, that's tough. And I went down a rabbit hole to look for her to see what she's done since, and uh, somehow nothing made my... Yeah. Writables list. Because this movie it hinged on, it was the Shirley Temple. It just goes, look at that. Shirley oh. Temple was a bigger collaborative star because this is the same remake. What an interesting experiment. The star power of Walter Matthau. Yeah. The star power of right. Julie, of all these people. And yet the movie probably wasn't very good because it didn't have it a Shirley Temple. It revolves around a Shirley Temple because... There was oh, also, who did Julie Andrews play? Because I can't picture Julie Andrews playing. The uh, Bengals. Terrible. Yeah. Now, I don't my, buy it. In 1949, <laughs> there was a remake with Bob Hope and Lucille Ball. Again, we don't know who really? Shirley Temple was. We might have to look into that. I'll watch the Lucille Ball one. And then in 1962, there was a remake called 40 Pounds of Trouble with Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis was the only name that came up, but he would have been sorrowful. He would have been so good because I do love me some Tony Curtis. Again, we don't know who the um, child actress was. So there's that. How interesting. So four remakes of this. Wow. 
Um, my tasty nuggets. Well, we kind of talked about, or did you have more? Go ahead. I am happy to share. She wants to take a oh, drink. Okay. Her, we already talked about how her mom was her hairstylist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really mom. And she said that her curls, she had exactly 56 curls, no more, no less. Wow. Um, we can't count your curls. Yeah. And she and her mom had a really great relationship. And in 1989, she said that it was her super mother who kept her head on straight. Gertrude. Excellent. Yeah. So Gertrude kept her head on straight to be able to keep Shirley's head on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's huge. Gertrude was like business, like businesswoman was very savvy. But but not a stage mom, a mom who took care of her daughter through the process. Yeah, I mean, she yeah. looked, she know, Gertrude recognized, like, she put, because they, Shirley Temple was born in Southern California. She had two other brothers. She was put into a class, and they saw, like, the talent, and, like, a teacher was like, yo, your kid's actually re- really talented, really cute. She's got something. So mm-hmm. she was like, okay. And then she let her, the talent shine, and she was mm-hmm. like, all right, let me style your hair and stuff. And then, but at the same time, you know, it's Hollywood. I think that some people probably would say that Gertrude was a stage mom and didn't want to deal with her. But she was looking out for her kid. Yeah. I feel like the way that Shirley turned out meant that her mother was more focused on Shirley than what the business could do for her mom. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't know. I don't know. And and we don't really even know. I mean, that's this is just. I just looked at Wikipedia. Like, who really knows how great? You know, it could be that Gertrude. Like, yeah. we, if we were there and saw it, we'd be like, "Oh, Gertrude, what?" Yeah. Like, maybe. It, it, I mean, well, I, I, it's, I mean, Shirley Temple was quoted as saying that, so I think that they did. It seems like they had a good thing going. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with that because that makes me happy. I think so too, yeah. and and just the 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 evidence is in the life that Shirley Temple ended up living because she was Shirley yeah. Temple Black, Correct. and then she Correct. you know doing ambassador Although stuff. She became a Republican, but I'm gonna but forgive that was her in back the times, then. Like before it was oh, that's fine, like, you know exactly. Yeah. I don't. I mean, her biggest co-star was uh, Bojangles. That was her favorite mm-hmm. co-star. Yep. And she she took his hand when they were that was the little colonel. That was when they were dancing on the steps. Mm-hmm. And she was not supposed to touch him. And she took his hand because it was only natural at that time to take his hand and Yeah, because she was a kid. So, you know, I mean, and she was she was a California. I mean, I know Reagan was too, but I just I just want to believe. In times before. Um. Okay. She. So the Shirley Temple drink. Oh, we all I, know. I was a big proponent of that drink. You well, Shirley Temple was not. She oh. did not like the drink. Oh. She thought it was too sweet. Oh. Uh, and if you would like to make one yourself, it is ginger ale, a splash of grenadine, and a maraschino cherry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she didn't like the drink. She thought it was too sweet. I think I'm being on her side, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
As a yeah, kid, delicious. Yeah, because you know, your parents, I always ordered a Shirley Temple because I got the this one ordering a seven and seven, this one ordering oh, a yeah, I'm, like, I'm gonna yeah. have a Shirley Temple. And it came with the sword, yeah, the the sword cherry. through the maraschino cherry. And Erin would then, I mean, she didn't care about the cherries, she only cared about. About the swords, and she would have a sword fight with her. So. Yeah, and when we went to the Chinese food restaurant place for takeout, they would always just give me the maraschino cherries with all the swords, and I would just be having so much fun with the sword fighting. You went to a five-star restaurant, and the waitress kept bringing you more cherries with the sword because she saw that you were enjoying and you had like a pile of cherries and you were only playing with the swords swords. and then the owner of the restaurant came by and went oh are we giving her enough cherries tonight yeah (laughs) yeah um and then my last one is that Shirley Temple was almost cast as Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz but um there's two reasons thought to be why she was not. One is that MGM believed her singing abilities were inferior to Judy Garland's. And oh. the other is that 20th Century Fox did not want to give Shirley Temple to MGM. I think she would have been a much better Dorothy. Not No hate on Judy Garland. But... Right. Yeah, but I mean, somewhere over the rainbow is... Like, Judy Garland has a great singing voice. That is an interesting one. so does Shirley Temple. Yeah, that is an interesting one. So, who finally did uh, Over the Rainbow Wizard of Oz? Judy Garland. No, but what company? MGM. Did she laugh at that guy's genitals? That's why. Oh, that's why. So, she would have been it better and also have you guys done wizard of oz we have no oh. that's right yeah something to consider in 2021 not get you my pretty oh my well this is a pre-code film pre-code Otherwise, could they have done it with a little girl being left with well, these old men? Yeah, apparently they did. They did like oh, without all there these were three of the remakes. That's true. Yeah. Um, in 1998, it was selected for preservation by the United States Film Registry Library of Congress. You know, for the that whole spiel, the necessary <laughs> profound. I. She so, sounded like a dog. <laughs> oh my god. That was my that was what my back. It? <laughs> it wasn't even a snort. It was so guttural. Wow, the beast <laughs> on that. Um Scott Ellis and David Thompson are actively adapting this into a musical, making a musical adaptation of the film. At this time? At this time. Who who knows what 2020 did? And those are my tasty nuggets. I got it's just me because these two are crying over here. Cause did I you hear the noise? He, I he heard it. I have some tasty nuggets. <laughs> All right, pull yourself together if you can. After that sinus display. <laughs> At one point, the uh, what was his name? 
uh, sorrowful. Yeah, sorrowful. Uh, couldn't get a line right. Ah. And Shirley Temple turned to the director and said, "Is it too late to replace him?" <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good blood. Uh, I just remember when my dear friend Donis had a, had surgery, and we went to visit her, and she was so up and so happy, and she said it's because of the good blood they gave her in the blood transfusions. No, it was the opioids that were helping oh, her. Good blood. Good blood. You know that I'm not allowed to give blood. Me either. Yeah, we're and my brother's not allowed. We either. can't give blood to a. A blood drive. Don't let him. Yeah, he's not allowed to because we lived in Europe during mad cow disease. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. So he he's not allowed to give blood, even if it's a good. Cow. I always go into the the trailer. That means I can't either. Oh, you can't either. Just by association, you know. Oh, true. Okay. Um, the character regret in the movie. Mm-hmm. Is based on Otto Abadaba Berman, who was a don't laugh at me. This is true. He was a financial genius behind the gangster Dutch Schultz oh. business empire, and also a close friend of the writer. Yeah, the Runyon, because there's a Runyon. whole thing about Runyon True. men and, and his whole story True. and stuff. Yeah. This dude was shot in a hit one year after this film was released. Oh, about that life. And he was the basis of the character Regret. We hear Regret a lot. This was her first starring role. I said that her, her hair hadn't been completely ringleted yet. And those I have a I have one that I just remembered off the dome. Bear with me. So, you know, the woman bangles in real life. I think I think Dell was her last name. That scene where she's where uh, Shirley Temple is having bad manners and saying yes. she don't want to eat the mush. Right. She kept cracking up at Shirley Temple doing <laughs> that. She couldn't hold a straight face. Oh. And they were actually like pretty good friends. And then. I think Shirley Temple's next movie or whatever movie she was filming a week later, um, they didn't tell her about that actress's death. Right. Until they were shooting the scene. So, and I forget what movie it is, but if you go to see it, Shirley Temple was crying. And that's because they just told her that her friend died. Because in they real got life. really close. I mean, oh my God. six years old. Yeah. yeah. They were the closest in age to anybody else. In the film. Yeah, and so those those tears that she's doing, like, like you're like, oh, man, that that's how like, Hollywood will mess you up. Like, you know your friend, and you're on set and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you're supposed to cry. Oh, by the way, your friend didn't realize she's dead. Action! Yeah. Wow. Oh, they did terrible things. That's true. Okay. That wraps our Little Miss Marker episode. Now, listeners. And our 2020. Right after our 2020, we need your help. Because two of the three of us did not save our notes. So, next week, listeners, this is exciting. We are having the first annual Gone with the Bushes End of the Year Awards. 
And we are only doing the films from 2020 because that's when Christine joined us in earnest as a member of our podcast, correct? Right. So there will be a visual on Instagram. Mm-hmm. of our first annual Gone with the Bushes end of the year awards. And we want your feedback. So all 13 of you, <laughs> we need We're expecting 13 responses. We are indeed. If we get more, we will be overjoyed. The awards we came up with are thus based on our criteria. Uh, the way that we do the podcast. So we are doing, what was your favorite movie? We will tell you our favorite movie. What was your least favorite movie? Oh, man. That's not going to be hard. Just look at the 2020 movies from this list. Uh, Your favorite actress, your favorite actor. I didn't go into least favorite actress and actor because I feel like that might be a little negative. They're people. Right. So we're just going to go with favorite. Now, new to this season has been the power of cast. We didn't even do the power of cast on this one. But we, the little boys. We talked about it. Yeah. I mean, we didn't label it, but we talked about it. So your most powerful cast moment in the movies we've done this year. Your favorite quotable, because Christine brought us that category when she joined us. Indeed. When this podcast took off into the 20s. Exactly. Your most valuable MVP could be your most valuable person. Your most valuable place. place or your most valuable thing. Dick Powell's widow's peak. I'm looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> In the movies or your least valuable person, place or thing. In the movies of Gone with the Bushes 2020. Now, a visual of the list will be on Instagram. Done um, in wonderful calligraphy by Ma. Well, not. Did you wear your kimono when you made this? I had my kimono on. You will notice I use different, um, different fonts. Yes. Okay, we'll go with that. So we would like your input. That would mean you replying to us on pod. Oh, I think Bob Bean. Insta- Wait, on Instagram. On Instagram. Instagram. Okay. So you tell it, you know, you just look at our filmography, not filmography, podography. Podog- yeah, I guess. Of 2020. Your favorite movie, your least favorite movie, your favorite actress, favorite actor. We all know who that's going to be from two of us. Oh, yeah. Most powerful cast moment, favorite quotable. I already have that one. Most valuable person, place, or thing. Least valuable place or thing. And if you have a different category, let us know. Oh, yeah. You you can just uh, anything. And next week, we will give you our, I'm going to dress up. You're going to wear a gown? Oh, my God. That's so funny because there's a podcast that I listen to about Las Vegas. And they do this once a year, which is kind of where I got the idea a little bit. (laughs) Shout out 500 by midnight. And when they do it, they dress up. 
they dress up for it. I believe a kimono might be well, in can my I future. borrow a kimono? Because I only bought, like, undershirts and sweatpants. I brought cause... something you can wear. Okay. Are we going to drink champagne? Oh, my God. What a freaking good idea. That is a great idea. That is such a freaking good idea. But you know me, and we can't have cheap champagne. I, I don't do cheap. I do Moet Chandon Imperial. That's my cheap champagne. But it's only like 30 bucks. That's not an expensive. It's not 30 bucks. It's like 50 bucks. Imperial? Yeah. Okay, where you shop. So, (laughs) I mean, that's okay. So, anyway, your favorite. I will be drinking Corbel Brut. No, she won't because she's. I'm at home, so I will be drinking. She's in Alexandria, so she will be drinking a little higher than Corbel. And we would love to hear your ideas on this. And when we get absolutely no responses, it's not going to stop us. We're going to go on and We're going to go on with our yeah. first annual Gun with the Bushes Awards at the end of the year. We're rather excited. So don't let us down. Anybody else have anything to say? <laughs> no, I think you covered it. Okay, well, next week we will be doing our first uh, annual Gone Gone with with the the Bushes End of the Year Awards. Well, there you go. Bye. 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 Bye.